everybody. Welcome to the Good Evening Kitties podcast, a Tales from the Crypt review. My name is Melissa, your ghostess with the mostess, and today's episode is Season 6, Episode 15, You Murderer. This is the last episode of Season 6, and I brought back Mike to help me out. Hi, Mike. Hey, hey. We have a lot to say about this episode. Don't we? I think we a, a, bit, a bit to disagree on, perhaps, but uh, beyond that... I think we have a lot to say about it. This episode is definitely different in the sense of how the regular Tales from the Crypt episodes are played out. They try something a little different with this one. It's the last episode of season six. Maybe they were trying for, you know, to kind of like spice it up. I don't know. Because then after, after this, it goes into season seven, which is in the UK. And a whole other collection of actors and things in that, so... When the weirdness really starts. I mean, we'll see. I haven't watched season seven in forever, so... Some of this will be new to me, too, I think. But yeah, so season six, episode 15, You Murderer. This episode tries a lot of different things. Let's get into it. If you hear a little skittering all over the place, that's Gus, the podcat. He's running around. He's real excited. He always gets a little more animated when we're recording together. It's because he knows we're trying to do something. (laughs) He was doing that the I was recording one of the other episodes a while back and literally like it was insane. I was just like, you need to stop. I don't know what you were completely quiet before I started doing this. And now you're trying to knock everything off the table and meow. So let's get into this episode. As always, John Cassier does the voice of the Crypt Keeper and Danny Elfman does the theme song. This episode aired January 25th, 1995. It was directed by Robert Zemeckis, who also directed Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. which is exactly why they probably put that in the opening, which we'll get to. Robert Zemeckis also directed the episode Yellow. Yes. And and All Through the House, the Santa Claus one. So. Both very strong episodes. Yes. For Tales from the Crypt. The screenplay was by Gilbert Adler and A.L. Katz. This has a pretty great cast of people who are definitely having a good time and doing a good job. Oh, yeah. They got a, like some of my favorites. Yeah. This cast stars Humphrey Bogart. Uh, kind of. <laughs> I mean, at least they give him a credit. They, they have his, they have his cadaverous, like you know, like still image face everywhere. I'll give him that much. So, for those who might not know, that's what this episode is. So that's why it's a little weird. Humphrey Bogart died a while back, right? So they bring him back in the form of a Humphrey Bogart impersonator who is doing his voice, and then they throw in other clips from his movies, and, and then they, like, kind of superimpose his face, I think, a little bit on it. That's why I'm not entirely clear, like, how much of the dialogue also... Well, it's all it's all a point of POV from, like, this, yes. this one character, Mr. Spinelli, I think it is. Yes, Lou Spinelli. Lou Spinelli, okay, so... And that's who Humphrey... He looks like Humphrey Bogart, which is another thing, because Humphrey Bogart is known in this episode. People know of Humphrey Bogart. Right. He is a... <laughs> He has the face of it due to getting plastic surgery. The reference, which is a whole another reference to another, a whole other movie, The Big Sleep, I think it is, hmm. where the main, where he plays the main character who does get uh, plastic surgery as well. It's been ages since I saw that. Yeah, they but, do uh, a lot of Bogart callbacks and things, especially from Casablanca. They do that one a lot. Yeah, and oh yeah, episode, which is which, inevitable. Well, yeah. The thing is, for me, is I'm not a huge... I, I, it's not that I'm not a fan, necessarily. It's just I haven't seen a lot of his movies. And only recently, we watched The African Queen. Because I hadn't seen a lot of his movies. And that's from 1951. And I knew how that movie was made. And I liked yeah, how hard the production was and everything. All those kind of stories of just, like, the things people went through to film these old movies. And it's Humphrey Bogart and Katherine Hepburn 
It's really good. If you like older movies, I think it's free on like Pluto or Tubi or something right now. Well, even, if you don't, if, even if you think you don't like older movies, just give it a shot. Why yeah, don't you? it's really good. But I actually, I kind of liked it more for Catherine Hepburn. Their dialogue between the two of them is really good in the movie. But it, I'm still just not like, woo, Humphrey Bogart, you know. <laughs> I mean, I grew up with a lot of his films, you know, to have and to have not. Um, of course, love Treasure of the Sierra Madre. It's ama- an amazing story about just a greed and obsession in general. But uh, this episode is a little is a little weird. I guess it, you can get into all sorts of different. We we'll, we'll, we'll get into this later, yeah. but uh, it it just made me feel a little <laughs> ambiguous, mixed feelings yes. on this episode. So it's supposed to be Humphrey Bogart, and they they give him the credit because of the likeness of like uh, using the phrases in the in the pictures of him and things like that. But it's shot from his point of view. So you're seeing it from the camera angle of your eyes. So therefore, it's not like you're seeing actual the impersonator walking around being Humphrey Bogart, though he is doing the voice and walking around like in the movie for the parts you see. So it was all the impersonator? There was no like no archival, like no other like quotes taken directly uh... from other movies, anything like that? If it was all the impersonator, that was actually a pretty impressive job. Yeah, I think it's a lot of it's the impersonator. Yeah, so there's some trivia later we'll get into, but I think a lot of it's the impersonator. So like I was saying in the cast, it's Humphrey Bogart from movies like The African Queen. John Lithgow is in this movie. Hell yeah, he is. <laughs> He's from... This movie. Oh, wait. <laughs> it felt like a movie, man. I take it, it was back. so long. dragged so much. John Lithgow is in this episode. He's also, you would know him from TV's Third Rock from the Sun. Uh, he's good at playing serious and silly characters. Yeah, I think the comparison that automatically jumped into my brain was Nick Cage, because if you want some truly weird performances along some incredibly serious and very you know, admirable performances, well, you got John Lithgow does the same thing, only maybe not as extreme. I don't know, Raising Kane was pretty good. That was something. <laughs> if you haven't seen Raising Kane, check it out. It's John Lithgow playing a guy with like multiple personalities. He plays in a like way. three or four characters, yeah, but it's in universe. Yeah, it's, it's one is pretty... like a homicidal children's doctor. I want to say. No, it's I think it's like a child. Like he's got a child part, and then oh, okay, other stuff like a bunch of stuff. I don't check it out. It's kind of a fun movie. Also in this movie is Isabella Rossellini from yes. movies like um, Blue, Blue Velvet. Velvet. I, mean, and... just, I was going to say, we have two, two uh, David Lynch alumni yeah, here. two David Lynch people in this. Yeah, so that's cool. She's also, I like her in Death Becomes Her. She's the woman yes. who has the potion that makes them young. That's a great movie, too. And also Sherilyn Finn, who is another David Lynch person and is in this. And she's known well known from TV's Twin Peaks as Audrey. So, yeah, so she's in this, too, Sherilyn Finn. And Robert Sachi. Or, I guess it's Sachi. Um, he is the impersonator. He does the voice of Bogart. And he actually, I think, does that for a living. Or has in other movies and, and media and stuff like that. And his voice isn't bad. It's, no, it, it sounds a lot like him. It's just... It's not the voice that I have any problems <laughs> with. I think that it's a great impersonation. The thing we have the problem with is the image of Bogie himself. The way this is shot, this episode is shot all in the point of view of Humphrey Bogart. And there's some really good one-liners and things in the movie. Or, oh, yeah. God, why do I want to keep saying movie? In the episode. You know why? It's because all of... So it, it, it is because all of these actors have... have we, we've seen them in so many movies as opposed to television that we... That it feel, It also feels cinematic because it is... Yeah. It is... It is it's a great example of neo-noir. It's going off of like so many tropes from movies in the 40s and 50s. So no, the thing with this episode is the visuals. The guy who does the impersonations, I think, kind of looks like him too, but they use these special effects 
It looks like they took like just a still image of Humphrey Bogart. They superimpose it, you know, in the background. This episode was the only episode that used computer graphics imagery. This was to quote unquote resurrect the long deceased Humphrey Bogart. They used a lot of his old films and they digitally inserted his face on a stand-in or a dummy. Yes. So the Robert guy actually, he's just the voice. Robert Sachi or whatever, he's the voice. And then they just kept imposing him from his old films on there. And in, in, in scenes where the main character's face is shown, and they do that a lot in mirrors and other reflective surfaces like a coffee table or the um, like a reflective flask of alcohol. And it's kind of neat. I like that they do that. But the problem is he looks like a corpse. Right. When they show him. And it's like kind of creepy. So it kind of like pulls you out of the episode a little bit. It also, like I'm definitely not the person to be consulted on this, but it just feels kind of unethical. I know that there's this whole question of whether or not like dead performers should basically have their likenesses brought back for everything from concerts to... they got permission from whatever... I'm actually... I just realized I don't know. That's yeah, actually, I don't know. I'm kind of curious. I don't to, know who owns well, the likeness or what, you know, they Well, all, as we all know, though, just because it's legal doesn't make it morally right. Well, and I don't... I'm kind of like with that, too. Like, I'm not a huge thing of, like, someone has died, they have died. Yes. I can see if they filmed something before they died and you want to... Oh, right. You yeah, want to exactly. Bella Lugosi it and I, put someone... I had that exact same thought. My, my mind went to plan nine. Yeah. You want to get someone else but... to step in and kind of just like act like Bella Lugosi. That's fine here where you film some of it. Yeah. Um, or whatever. But like, you know, how they wanted to maybe bring back like a hologram Michael Jackson a concert. I, like, it's like, he's, it feels, he's dead. It feels dirty. Yeah, it just, I'm like, just let it, him... It feels fake, it feels dirty. There was a moment with this very special person, and now it's gone. Yeah. Let, hey, treasure that, that it even existed in the first place. You're trying to dig up someone's corpse over and over again, it just feels ghoulish. Yeah, so that's why that's why it kind of, like, seems weird. And just, like, again, he just, it just looks weird. The effects were done by Industrial Light and Magic, who also previously worked on Zemeckis' uh, movie Forrest Gump. So... Uh, yeah, they just kind of like took the same thing. And some of the effects aren't bad looking. It's just a lot of the times he literally looks like he's dead. This is not their best work. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, they tried and it's definitely unique and different, but it's just, I don't know. It's at just... the time, it was probably, it probably did not uh, raise as many eyebrows. I don't know. You mean like in how it looked? Yeah, like I, it probably will also, you know, the question of whether or not it was even, you know, a good thing to do in the first place. But. So yeah, so that's kind of what they were doing that. So this is definitely, it's definitely kind of a different type of episode. I'm going to go ahead for here. I'm going to go ahead here and read the information on the back of the box for Season 6, Episode 15, You Murderer. Up to his neck in mystery and murder, plastic surgery makes a criminal look like Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really light on details there, but hey, I mean, that's they're right. I mean, they set it, it up pretty well. So yeah, so this episode, we'll go ahead and get started. This episode opens up with the Crib Keeper, and he's sitting on a bench dressed up as Forrest Gump. Now, Robert Zemeckis directed... Forrest Gump, and so they're doing like a little throwback to that. It's not my favorite. Uh, they have like the feather floating down, and Cribkeeper is dressed up as the scene from Forrest Gump where he's got the little box of chocolates. Hello, how are you? I'm Forrest Gump. Hi, care for a chocolate? You sure? Mummy always said life is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're gonna get. Sometimes you get a fudge screen. 
Sometimes you get new guts. Know what else Mummy said? She said, scary is as scary does. Which brings to mind the man in tonight's terror tale. He's just dying to get out of the mess he's in. Literally. <laughs> it's a little piece of horrid candy I call... You murderer. What's interesting is it, it really, like, the Crypt Creeper has, like, you know, impersonated, or shall we say, just, he's done bits like this before. Yes. But he's never, like, subverted his personality completely. Yeah, like, I mean, they even got the bench and everything. They got all this set up in his crypt, and there's, like, little fake trees and stuff. I like his puppetry. Like, his face looks really cool. But, yeah, it's just kind of, I don't know, it just seems kind of silly. And then it doesn't help that, like, he's, the person he's talking to Next to him is a another image of Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, that it which, just I don't know, man. <laughs> and it looks kind of creepy. The chocolates are cool because it's like little like he opens the box and it's like little fingers and ears and eyes. It's kind of cool. Like they're you know they're kind of like making it their own, and that's kind of fun. But I was just like, oh no, now we're doing Alfred Hitchcock too. Oh no. But, I mean, I love Hitchcock films. There's a lot of films oh, of oh his no, no, Hitchcock's crazy. great. Not the best person, but great movies. Well, uh... But like, yeah, I mean, some of some, it's just like, okay, we're sort of putting a that great, there. His, his works are great. Yes. Let's <laughs> quantify that. I still read, love, I still read Lovecraft. Not the biggest fan of the man himself, though. So yeah, so they just keep that in mind. They got Crypt Keeper Forrest Gump talking to Alfred Hitchcock, and he brings in the episode. So the episode opens up for season six, episode fifteen. You murder. I will say it many, many times. You murder. You murder. And it opens up with the credits, fog over a car mirror. Like the side mirror. The fog starts to clear and you see in the car mirror. (laughs) They were so, you could tell they were so proud of it too because of the number of times they show it, his face. I mean, it's not, this part, that part's not super terrible, but it's just like, there's a red car and like, you can just kind of see the part of the car through the mist. And then you see the right side, like passenger side um, window mirror. Yeah. And in that is just like a, a, a image of Bogart's face, uh, Lou Spinelli's face, and he's got his mouth kind of open. And he that, looks really dead. That is an awesome freeze frame, though. That horrible still image. And so, yeah, so it shows that. So it's kind of like a little, like, they cut forward to whatever's going on or, like, they go back from what this is. So apparently you just see his, like, deadish looking face in this mirror. And then it cuts back to, it's just, everything is reflection. So they're trying to do like the point of view. So you're supposed to be Lou Spinelli, who looks like Humphrey Bogart. And he's in a business meeting, like in this like penthouse room type thing of tall building in, I guess, New York. And they're having a meeting. He's in like, I guess, is it advertising or? It's something like that. He just makes a lot of money. It's a capitalism. Yeah. And it's just like a bunch of people at a table. And then you have Sherilyn Finn and she's in this red like business suit dress. And she's his kind of assistant. Her name is Erica. Well, she's basically rolling out a new ad campaign. Yeah. She's like, here's the new ad campaign. What does everyone think? And it's kind of funny because it's like they're using all the lines from like, they're using the line from Casablanca. um, Here's looking at you, kid. But I don't know what they're exactly promoting because it's all three different things that are kind of funny. But I don't know. It's just like a sheep. And then it says, here's you looking at you, kid. But you is E-U-E. You think it's a commentary Unjust, maybe maybe unintentional commentary on just how with advertising like half the time we don't even remember what they're selling or maybe the product doesn't even matter itself it's just the you buy x 
any maybe, but it also I have a feeling the crypt people would love this. Just these different plays on words, you know. Maybe if they were more about death. Maybe he was the one who wrote it and she stole it from. <laughs> so the next one's a goat picture, and it says, "Here's looking at you, kid." Baby goats are called kids, and I still don't know what they're selling. Are they selling livestock? I don't know. And he's just like, "Yeah, I like this. This is great." And she's like, "You like it? It's cool." <laughs> and then they show a rabbit, and it says, "Hairs looking at you, kid." <laughs> And I'm like, okay. I mean, it's kind of That's funny. Save the best for last, huh? <laughs> and really, the narration, he does a lot of, like, internal narration, too, later in this episode as Bogart. The narration in this episode isn't terrible. It's pretty funny. So he's like, yeah, I like that advertisement. Great. Then there's a phone call coming in from someone named Oscar, who you find out later is Dr. Oscar Charles, who is, like, his, they, you know, you don't really know it yet, but it's his, uh. His, uh, wife. No, Dr. Oscar, Ch- well, like, no, well no, like no. Oscar is supposed to be his uh, surgeon. His, his plastic, plastic surgeon. surgeon. Yeah, there we go. So Oscar is his plastic surgeon, but you don't know this yet. They're like, oh, there's a phone call from Arthur. Ah, shit. <laughs> They're like, there's a phone call from Oscar and Bogart. You see him in the reflective mirror. He walks up and he looks like a corpse and he answers the phone and you find out it's Betty. Call for you on three. It was hard to hear, but I think they said it was Oscar. Oscar, huh? Mm-hmm. That's strange. Yeah. Excuse me, everybody. I'll be right with you. Oscar? No, Lou. It's Betty. Ah. Uh... Surprised to hear my voice. I'm supposed to be dead, aren't I? Aren't I, Lou? Your I hear... pal, Oscar. Send a couple of goons over here to kill me. But I've hear... got bad news for you. I hear it what you say. It didn't work. You hear me, Lou? Listen. This won't do any good. You'll never understand me, but I'll try once, then give it up. Don't bother, Lou. I'm calling the police. You're going to jail. Do you hear me, Lou? To jail. Lou, are you okay? Lou? Yeah, everything is all right, Eric. It's just a little uh, emergency at home, that's all. Mr. Spinelli. Yeah, everything's okay. And it, what's funny is that the person said they were Oscar, and he's like, hello, and then it's like, hi, it's Betty, which is Isabella Rossellini, who's his wife. And I'm like, did she get on there and be like, hey, it's Oscar? And then <laughs> when he got on, he'd be like, never mind, it's Betty. And so what she is, she's on the phone with him, and he's like trying to be cool, like in this meeting. And she's like, hey, yeah, you were hoping it was Oscar who you hired to kill me while I'm still alive. And so then he leaves the meeting. So, you know, there's something going on where like he talked to Oscar and was trying to put a hit out on his wife. So he like slowly hangs up the phone and he drives out and it kind of like, is it like a, like a remembering thing? I think as he's driving back, yeah, as he's driving back to his apartment, as he's driving back to his apartment and you just see the point of view. So it's just like cars. He's remembering what happened. So he... Used to do crimes, I guess. Smooth is a small-time hood. Yeah, he was a small-time criminal, and then he had his face changed from a real weird-looking, like, half-Humphrey Bogart face. Like, they show the picture at the doctor's office. His smile is terrifying. (laughs) And then they show it as it changed to more Humphrey Bogart. John Lithgow is Dr. Oscar Charles, his plastic surgeon, and he's the one who changed the face. And he's like, did you have to make me look so much like Humphrey Bogart? Uh, Which part of me is like, oh no, Bogart is, exists in this crypt verse. He's part of the universe and your people know who Bogart is. So like, why would you do that? 
And then also, is the people, is Sherilyn Finn doing the ad playing on the fact that he looks like Bogart? Because it's a complete line from Casablanca. Right, like... right. Is, this is one of those episodes that it's fine on the surface, but once you start to scratch that surface, if you keep on digging, you're going to infuriate yourself. Well, it's just trying to be like super meta, I guess. It's, and, I and as we all know, with stuff like that, it can really fall on its face. It basically is like, I guess Betty has figured out his past. Right. She's she basically found out his because because before the uh, basically got the the uh, surgery ever since and then somehow was able to pull himself up by his bootstraps as some people like to say and became like a CEO of this big ad company somehow probably his criminal background helped him in that I'd imagine but. You know, she finds out about this, find out about his past, somehow that can ruin him. Yeah, and immediately Lithgow's like, well, we should kill her then. Before she, like, <laughs> blackmails you and all this stuff, we should kill her. And, and then he mentions something like, well, we've done this for each other before. Right. So, so I was like, these guys have been, like, partners in a way for a long time. She knows? Yeah, she knows. What makes you so sure? Somebody sent her those pictures in the mail. She knows all about me. Who I was, what I've done, the whole rap sheet. And there's only one other person in the world who knows the words to that song. Is that a joke? You think that I... I'm the one that performed plastic surgery on you. I'm the guy that changed your face. Yeah, and made me look like Bogart. You know how hard that was? It would have been easier to make you look like Gabby Hayes. How could you think it was me? You're still a wanted man. Every police department in the country wants to get its hands on you. And I'm your accomplice. If you go down, I go down. Why would I spill my guts to anyone, let alone your wife? Ah, uh, keep your pants on, Oscar. Now, look, I uh, may have been a little too hasty. Okay, you're the doctor. What do we do? If she's wise to us, there's only one thing we can do. Kill her. Kill her? Don't be screwy. We was heading back to his apartment, and he walks in. And when he walks over, you know, it's just kind of, it's like kind of a fancy apartment. It's real big and there's like pillars and stuff. And you see John Lithgow laying over on the floor by like this plant and this, I don't know, kind of Ottoman looking thing. I don't know. I and do he's, like this. <laughs> this scene's pretty funny. So he's laying there and he's like, in his head, like you just see from the point of view. And he's like, oh man, oh, Oscar, are you all right? You know, he like walks over and he goes to pull, like kind of turn Oscar over. And as soon as he does, John Lithgow has this super serious face and it just immediately like, Pulls a gun out and points it right at him. Yeah. So he was faking that he was hurt, you know? And so now you're like, oh, Oscar's in on it. What? You know? So Oscar has been behind this whole time. That's why Betty didn't get killed. I guess, he, you know, he wants the money too. It's all about greed. A lot of these episodes are about greed in one way or another. Well, they're also like his wife and Oscar having an affair yes. behind his back. Oscar and with. Betty are having an affair. So Isabella Rossellini Which I mean, that, that, and John that, Lithgow are having an affair. That is fair, though, because he's obviously having an affair with his secretary. Yeah, so. yeah. You kind of, like, you don't pick up on that in the beginning, but it is brought out in a little bit that yeah, know, that like, him and Sherilyn Finn have been having a bit of a thing. Like, everyone's everyone's scummy here. Everyone wants to kill each other. I don't think there's really any Well, good I guys. think that's one reason he didn't really pick up on it, because Betty says they've been having an affair for, for about a year. Yeah. And she's like, not that you would notice, you know, kind of thing. And it's like, well, because probably because he's been busy with work and having an affair yeah. with Sherilyn Finn. <laughs> So John Lithgow's character, Oscar, points the gun at Lou, and then that's when Isabella Rossellini's character, Betty, comes in, and she's blonde in this episode. Normally she's more of a brunette or real dark hair. Lou's figuring out, like, oh, this is, I've been set up. And they're having him sign 
The suicide um, note that she wrote for him. Yes. Like, so it's going to be that he, like, committed suicide, and then I guess that she's still married to him, Betty will get all the money. Although I'm kind of confused about this, because they mention that because it's a suicide, she's not going to get any life insurance and money from this. But she'll get the company, won't she? I don't know. Did it even talk about a will? I don't think it mentioned a will. So you could argue that they're wanting to kill him out of self-defense, because after all, I mean, he wanted her dead. Yeah, so they also kind of set it up, too, because the way that he seemed, like, when he took that phone call in the break room, he seemed real flustered because he knew Betty didn't die. So it kind of made him look like he was already in a bad way. Because at right. one point, Sherilyn Finn's character is like, are you all right? And he's like, yes, yes, I'm fine. I have to go. You know, like, it's some, like he's got a problem. If they find out later that he killed himself and there's this note, he was probably suicidal and we didn't see it. Uh, he's taking it pretty well. Like, I mean, he is having this, like, slight affair with Sherilyn Finn, so. I think it's just because. I think he's he, just kind of, like, shocked. Also, people, like, the iconic view of Bogey is that he was always, like, level-headed. Some of his characters really aren't, though. Okay, so what's going to happen is she'll get the money for, like, the business. Like, she could sell the business and do kinds of things like that. Okay, so, so there is a will? There is, like, a will, and, like, she'll get that kind of stuff, or at least she'll get part of the, she owns a lot of the company or, like, parts of the company. So she can do that, but she will miss out on the life insurance, which she goes, well, that's just a million we'll have to do without. So I guess it was, like, a million-dollar life two million, insurance. Is it two million? Yeah. Okay, so it's, like a, like, a couple million-dollar life insurance policy. She'll just have to do without it. She's going to get a lot more with right, this company, Right, right. So. I mean, it's like, they, they mentioned there's no reason being greedy. Yeah. We get you out of our hair and we get a bunch of money. We could have gotten more, but hey, at a certain point, like, how many more millions do you need if you already have millions, you know? So she goes down, Isabella Rossellini's character, Betty, goes down to get the car and to, like, pull the car around. And so John Lithgow hands him this flask and you can see, like, his face in the flask. And he looks dead. He already looks like he's dead. It's well, just, like, real creepy. He's well, I did before. Dead. That's the thing. Like, the face never changes. It never changes. It looks like this dead corpse, like, upright corpse of Humphrey Bogart walking around. But they keep on showing it all throughout the episode. And I like some of the angles. I think some are kind of fun. It's just it, it's just creepy the way he looks. There's this new thing. I don't know if you know about it. Mm. Where, like, you can take pictures of, of people who have died in your life, and you can put this, like, animation type thing on them, and it makes them blink and, like, look at you and kind of smile. And a lot of, some people like it. Oh, my and God, it totally that is... out. And that's kind of what they're doing here. Oh, man. Like, okay, here's a thought. Close your eyes and think of your loved one doing that for you. It'll be far more real to you. Like, I don't mean to be like mean kind of, no, to a grieving person, creepy, but... Though. Because it is. Because that's even if that's <laughs> how the person looked, like the action of it is just like real slow and. I think that that would make me just, feel even more depressed. Yeah, it just looks real creepy. It would just, it would just, re, it would make me have like an existential like panic. But that's know? what that re, this kind of reminds me of because they kind of have the dead eyes while they're doing it. Right, like, right. It's like, so that's what they're kind of doing <sighs> this. So John Lithgow hands him this flask. Is it really a thing? Yes, it is a thing. I can show you. I can. You want me to show you? Oh my god. So it's an AI tool called Deep Nostalgia. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, also from, like, My Heritage or something. And it's, like, a tech that can, it kind of brings the photos of your dead relatives <laughs> to life. And I'm like, that's just what? so creepy. Hey, I mean, I guess like that. it's kind of cool for, like, really, really old images. If you take it from, like, the 1800s, and it's, it's kind of neat. Here, so watch. So you can, like, do that with your mom. So Please no. Okay, see? See the woman on the right? That's what you would do with the picture. So then it's kind of like she's still moving. Like you have a video of her. I mean, it's halfway convincing, but at the it same is. time, no. But it's also no, just like, seems weird. Because you'll know. You'll know it's not her, though. You'll know. No. And, and it that would just make, make it, me more sad. It, exactly. It's, it's a whole other level of just intrusion. No. <laughs> now I'm showing him one of Abe Lincoln. Not the great emancipator. 
You leave him alone. I mean, that I think is kind of interesting in a way, but like if it's someone you know that really does help with your grief, great. Or if you think it's kind of neat, great. But I just, I, that's kind of what they're doing here. And it's just creepy. It was creepy then. It's creepy now. And so it's like an app like you can get and like bring the picture. Resign that to the dustbin of history. <laughs> so now he gets this flask. Lou gets this flask from John Lithgow's character, Oscar. And you can see the image of him in the flask. And it's supposed to be, like, he calls it, he's like, what is this, some Jim Jones drink? But it's, <laughs> yeah. it's supposed to be some sort of poison. He's supposed to take it. And then he says, like, I think he says, like, here's looking at you, kid. He's going to shoot him. And then there's a fight. Well, like, yeah. Well, let's explain more why, though. Because he, he looks at the flask and all of a sudden he starts thinking, well, all of their plan, which they have just told me in detail, right? depends upon me committing suicide yes. or, or, or me having looked like I committed suicide. Yeah. I'm not going to poison myself. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, he, he decides he's going to throw a wrench in their plan. So they start fighting, like, hitting each other. And Isabella Rossi Looney comes in from behind. She's brought the car around. She grabs a Picasso statue. A Picasso statuette. Statuette. And hits him with it. Hits him over the head, like, multiple times. And it's like a decapitated naked woman or something. The screen kind of goes white. So it's like, you got hit in the head. So, like... Then it gets kind of fun. This is kind of fun because it's like he's dead. It kills him. He can still like hear and feel and everything for some reason. He's just like making all this commentary. And then like at one point he was like, is this hell? What was the line? I believe I I loved this thing. I can't remember it entirely, but it's somewhere along the lines of, oh, for a second I thought it was in hell, but I figured that can't be right. This can't be hell. Everything's too stupid. Yeah. So he's like, am I paralyzed? I don't know. Because then you see, like, Isabella Rossellini and John Lithgow just staring at him, at, like, on the floor. And so they're like, oh, he's dead. Yeah, he's dead. So, like, what are we going to do? With the whiteness all around me, I felt kind of peaceful. I wondered, uh, am I dazed? Paralyzed? Or am I, uh... He's dead. He's dead. He's dead. Are you sure? No pulse, no breathing, his pupils are dilated, he's dead, all right. Well, ain't that a kick in the ass? If he's dead, how come he looks like he can still see us? Yeah, it's creepy. It was a lot more than creepy. Let's get him up. He was screwy. Come on, get his feet. None of it made any sense. The white light was gone. My soul, as far as I could tell, hadn't risen from wait, my body. Wait, put him down. What the hell was going on? So far, death was full of surprises. I could still see, damn. still hear. Damn, damn! And I sure as hell could feel. What's the matter? Look at him. He's got a dent in his head. What did he do? Beat himself to death? Well, I threw him off the balcony, so he jumped. And you better hit a piece of naked sculpture on the way down. The guy's got a pair of nipples punched in the top of his head. The police aren't that stupid. Why the hell did you hit him with a statue? Well, I'm sorry. I was trying to help, all right? So Betty had hit me with the Picasso. <laughs> I always said it made quite an impression. Getting hit in the head left a dent in his head. So yes. now it looks like he definitely was like assaulted. You know? Right. You could always argue that shooting him dead there would have been the better option because you always say, well, at least he off himself with a gun. But hey, you get clonked in the foot. But you got to do the angle right. Even so, like, it, it's still better than having, like, blunt force trauma to one's yes, skull. Yes, that definitely looks suspicious. So now they got him on the floor, and they're, like, hitting on him. Like, they're like, no, this is not how it's supposed to go. 
Angela feels like losing it, and they're they're doing really well. I like Betty and Oscar. They're do, they're having a real. Oh fun. god, yeah. Like, you, you can tell that the actors knew what kind of an episode yeah, they were they're in, and they were acting fun. accordingly. So that's refreshing. So then there's a knock on the door, and they're like, "Oh no!" And it's Sherilyn Finn. It's uh, Erica, and she's come to like, I guess, I, is she coming to like check on him because he seemed kind of messed right, up? Right, because he yeah. just left. And so yeah, so she's like, "Hey, you know, are you okay?" Because you know they're having an affair too and stuff like that. So they're like dragging his body, and you see the point of view from like you can see your feet. As you're being dragged, and they prop him up in the closet. And they reassure her that they don't know where he is. Yeah, they're like, we don't know, what? She's like, well, who are you? And he's like, I'm Oscar. And she's like, oh, well, he got a phone call from someone named Oscar. And he's like, what? And then he starts, like, bringing up the FBI and all this different stuff to, like, throw her off. It turns out that he's involved in some some shady dealings, and it turns out that he might have had a dark past. <laughs> and the FBI is involved. We don't know anything about this, but we will be sure and let you know the moment we know. And they kind of, like, shoo her away. So then they, they do, like, this weird shot of it, too, where you can see the three of them talking on the side, and then there's, like, a mirror. There's a mirror on the inside of the closet. On the inside door. of the closet. So you can see him being hung up, set up on the closet. And he, I mean, he looks the same, but he's dead now. So he's got, like, that mouth open and, like... It's the same exact expression, Just, like, much. dead eyes. So they get rid of Erica. And then that's when Betty's like, oh, I knew it. She's like, you were having an affair with her. They were thinking about hiding the dent. But then they decide that they don't know what they're doing as far as that goes, and they just Yeah, want, they put a hat on his head. They just, they just want to, you know, they agree to get rid of the body and just say he's a lo- and so that he's lost, and then they start making out on top of him. Well, in front of them, too, like, they, they're kissing, and they do this line, kiss me as if it were the last time. Yes. Is that also Casablanca? I want to say it's a quote from either that or... Oh, God, I feel dumb. I, so I, I saw all these movies I haven't, as a kid, See, I've never seen a lot of know, these movies. Because so. they were on like TNT all the time. I think it's Casablanca. <laughs> yeah. So then he's thinking about like how all this went wrong, you know, and stuff like that, and the differences between the two women. I, uh, I can't believe Oscar screwed me over. And he's thinking about... <laughs> the different times he had and there's this really this scene made me laugh really hard because it's like a it's like a flashback scene so it's in black and white and it's him thinking about the different the two women the differences between erica and betty and he's sitting at like a makeup table or whatever so you see him in the mirror of that and then you see Sherilyn finn behind him in like a white nighty but what they yeah. did is they took the image of him i believe also from Co- yes yeah, so he's sitting at the bar and it's him in a full like white tux and sitting at the desk as if he's at a bar but he's at the makeup table i like what they do here though it's funny though because it's just like he should be like in pajamas or something it's perfect because it rams home just i guess the overall feeling like no matter what you are there will always be people who either love you or absolutely hate you yeah she's coming up saying all these you know congratulatory complimentary things about him she thinks she's great and but but then it transposes to him with the exact same pose in a different time and place with his wife, with Betty, yeah. who is just screaming. And at she's him. in an all black nighty with like stockings and that hat. I guess the hat that she was wearing. And for some Why reason, she, she's got a hat on. Well, leave the hat on, baby. <laughs> but he's still in the suit, and I'm just like. I guess it's supposed to be after, but like they didn't have any other images to use, so they just there was no other images they could use of him, like in like a t-shirt or something. I don't know. And so it's just kind of funny because I'm like, okay, they're just working with what they got. I don't know. With that damn hat stuck over my eyes, I couldn't see, but it felt like they had crammed me into my car, and it sounded like they were headed pretty far out of town. I had decided that this wasn't hell. Hell couldn't possibly be this stupid. Anyway, I got to thinking about things. Like my old pal, Oscar. Don't go soft on me, Luke. We did it for each other then, and we do it for each other now. I know that. At least uh, now I know what he meant by doing it to each other. 
And speaking of doing it, that got me thinking about Erica. You see, uh, Betty was right about Erica and me. Oh, Lou. You're the best, you know that? You're warm, sensitive, caring. You're great in bed. What would you say if I told you I'll never leave you? Nobody ever loved me that much. And I did a lot of thinking about Betty. Oh, Lou, you're a bastard! You're a scum, you know that? You're cheap, insensitive, stupid, and lousy in bed. What would you say if I told you I'm leaving you? Nobody ever loved me that much. So they throw him in the car and they put the hat on him and they have him in the front seat of this uh, convertible, this red convertible. So now it's kind of like tying back to that first image we saw with the car. They went to a property that Lou had bought that he was planning on retiring on. He's, he's like, this isn't quite what I was thinking when I was thinking about retiring on this property, but it's like this wooded area. And they've, they've really been digging. That Just the two of them have dug this huge hole that they're going to bury him in. Um, John Lithgow's like, he's starting to stiffen up. You're going to have to help me. He's got rigor mortis. <laughs> you know, I can't. Rigor mortis. Rigor mortis. In the rear room mirror, you see Erica. So Sherilyn Finn is back. And yeah, now she, she has a gun. She tracked them. Yeah, she, she followed them. She knew something was up. Put your hands up. And she comes over and she's like, oh my gosh, Lou, what did they do to you? You know, she sees he's dead. And she comes over and she's just, she's trying to be tough, but she's also a bit too gullible, you know, like a bit too Well, she naive. turns her back on the both of them. Yeah. Which is really stupid. Betty ends up shooting Erica. I look like Betty's like, she's the one who's just real all into this. Very big noir thing, you know? It's like, always the female. You wouldn't expect The female it. of the species is the most deadliest. <laughs> and then, like, she shoots Erica, and Erica turns around with both guns. Yeah, she had, like, two guns, I guess? No, she doesn't have one. She's just holding it. Oh, that's right. It was a cell phone. No, she was, she was calling oh. the police. That's right. Oh, my God. Did they have cell phones back then? Yeah, it's like a kind of a little bulky cell phone. It's like the one I used to play with when I was a kid. So she turns around with the phone and the gun in her hand, and she was shot. And the gunshot also, like, went through her, I guess, and then went through the the windshield. And at this point, it's funny, too, because John Lithgow's character was like, Woo! And oh, no, was... I love it. He's like, <laughs> so, so, so Isabella Rosalie's character shoots Erica, and then John Lithgow's just like, Yes! Yeah. He's like, you hit it, girl! Like, he's, like, super excited. She's like, okay, okay, cool. Like, we got, like, we're going to get these in here. We got to go. You know, like, she really, he was, but he was, like, real pumped. He's like, you're a great shot. That was awesome. He fist pumps. Yeah, he's like, woo, that's my girl. And so, unfortunately, though, like, that shot that went through Erica into the windshield also hit Lou, and it hit his spine. So you see from the point of view that it severs his spine, therefore making him fall forward, or like his head falls forward. He hits the parking brake on this car because he falls over, and he ends up, it, it makes, the car, makes the car move. And they're in front of this hole, right? So then it goes forward, and Betty and Oscar are running. They're like, oh no, you know? So I guess it, it runs over Erica. It hits Betty and Oscar and pushes them down into the hole to where the car is sticking up. Oh, uh, it crushes them. Yeah, it crushes them. So everyone in this episode dies. Um, <laughs> very Shakespearean, you know? Yeah. And it, yes, very Othello. And uh, I was thinking more Hamlet. Does everyone die in Othello? I think so, yeah. Jesus. All, all collectively in a bed. But yeah, so then it hits them, and then you have the cops showing up. So I guess I guess she made the she was able to make the call. So the cops show up. It's a cool scene of like seeing the car in this hole, and then you got the bodies of Betty and Oscar like leaning up and like pushed. Uh, like it's kind of a neat scene. Oh, like, yeah, the lantern, and the cop cars, and the cop the one cops like, oh yeah, this guy looks dead. Like they come over and look at both. It's like, yeah, characters. you ever see this guy before? He looks familiar, and they're just like looking at him like, yeah. So I was like, yes, yes, we know, but yes. we exist in universe. 
Yeah, because they were like, doesn't he look like someone? And they're like, I don't know, that liked it to me, you know? They kind of, like, pull him upright, which, so, luckily, they do that, because then you can see his face in the image of the passenger side mirror, which is what you see, well, that's what you see in the beginning. Yeah, I know, but it's just, like, every, it's like every minute and a half, they have to clock, they have to clock it, they have to show it. Well, I I do like the scene of, like, just him, like, showing the car stuck in the ground with the two of them hanging out of it. It's kind of neat. Yeah. That's the end of the episode, though. They put his body in a body bag. Everyone's dead. It cuts back to the Crypt Keeper. He's still doing the Fierce Gump, and he makes another pun to uh, the vision of Alfred Hitchcock. But this time, it was kind of funny, like, because he was like, right, Alfred, or uh, right, Hitchcock, or whatever, and he turns over, and it's just a skeleton now, and then there's a bunch of birds pecking on him because of the birds. I mean, really, this whole episode is just member berries for the greatest generation. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Because like, gr- the one bird's, like, hitting the skull. Crypt Keeper's having fun. <laughs> Crypt Keeper, you're so punny. And the best Crypt Keeper pun is... You know, I kind of feel sorry for Lou. Surely there's got to be an easier way to get an Oscar. <laughs> I hope my story didn't scare you too much, Mr. Hitchcock. Actually, I'm a very big fan of yours. If you want, you can tell me a story. Hmm. I guess he knows the pecking order now. So yeah, that's the end of the episode. There is some IMDb trivia. I already read the one about how they did the effects and everything, but also uh, some other trivia from this is Cheryl and Finn got married the day before the shooting of this episode. Jeez, talk about a work ethic. <laughs> hey, uh, so, so about our honeymoon, yeah. no, I gotta film something. Yeah. This episode incorporated footage of Humphrey Bogart with new footage of an impersonator. Bogart is actually credited as a guest star in the episode. This may be the first time that a TV series has given a guest star credit to an actor who has been dead for close to 40 years. You heard it, folks. This is this episode. It's this episode's fault. That we have the that Deep we have, Nostalgia app. That we have Deep Nostalgia app. That we have people resurrecting Michael Jackson. This this episode is, is, is ground zero for all that bullshit, man. Isabella Rossellini's monologue of, You'll have to do the thinking for both of us, is a direct spoof of lines famously delivered by her real-life mother, Ingrid Bergman. That's kind of fun. That's cool. But yeah, so I mean, that was the episode. It's definitely something different. I mean, they were trying something. It felt a little weird to me, but it's kind of, it's, some of it's kind of fun. Like, I didn't hate it. I liked everything about it except for that one picture they just kept on having to show. <laughs> I, I like the POV. That's all. It's always impressive. Whenever you stick with something like that, you just stick with it. They don't, they don't change it up. But it's just like, I, I know it's the, I know it's Humphrey Bogart. You don't need to keep on reminding me about it. Come on, guys. I'm not that dumb. <laughs> but they already know he exists. Like, why would you even take that face? I feel like you pick a different face. Unless Oscar just did that on purpose for a, a laugh years ago. Because it was I, before he met, like, Mary Betty. <laughs> I want a version of this without it. Without him having that face? Without just the face at all. Like, without the mirror tricks, without any of that. But still have, like, the bogey lines. Yeah, have the bogey lines and have the POV. Have all of that. Yeah, yeah. It probably wouldn't be as Because everything, everything else about this episode is pretty killer. Yeah, so that's the end of the episode. That's season six, episode 15, You Murderer. The next episode is season seven, episode one, Fatal Caper. Thank you, Mike, for being on this episode and reviewing it with me. You're welcome, Melissa. It's always a pleasure. Wee. I mean, I'm here, so it's not going <laughs> to... 
But yeah, thank you all so much for downloading and listening to this episode. You can leave a review on Podcast Republic, Facebook, or iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Gus is sleeping behind me, and you can check out... Is he snoring? Yes, he is snoring. So cute. You can check out his little snorry face over on Instagram under a sweet cat named Gus. You can also follow the podcast, the Good Evening Kitties podcast, on Facebook and on Twitter. I tend to be on Twitter a bit more. Okay, so I do have a five-star review that I'd like to read that's from Good Pods that was left to me by Kelly Madden. I want to say thank you to Kelly Madden. Uh, She is also part of the Drunk Theory podcast, so check out that podcast. But she left a five-star review here, and it says, uh, well, she was listening to my season six, episode 10 in the Groove episode, that kind of like sexy radio one. Uh. But she said, five stars. Filthy and fun. Love Tales from the Crypt and love this podcast. Great episode. Oh, thank you. So, yeah, thank you, Kelly. That was great. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Why am I saying thank you? (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'm glad you liked the episode. Uh, Yeah, that's awesome. So thank you so much for that review. Thanks for listening. I hope you like this one. It's the end of season six. Yeah. Only one more season left to go. Yeah, and it just keeps on getting weirder. Yeah, (laughs) how much weirder is this next one? All right, cool. So, yeah, thank you so much. Mike, say bye. Bye, everyone, and be good to each other, and be safe. Bye. I just had boy.